What's up, Central family? It is so good to be back at Central. I love this place. Love what God is doing. Love the lives that are being changed. And hey, you just celebrated 60 years as a church. Isn't it unbelievable what God has done over 60 years at Central and Wow, uh, I really do. This is kind of home away from home. I, I love this place. I love your pastors. I love everything that you stand for. I love that it's an environment where it's okay not to be okay. I, just, I love Central. I really do. I love Central. And I was thinking about uh, Pastor Judd and Lori uh, this week as I was just preparing to come and to teach and to share God's word. And I thought about how unique leaders that they are. Uh, not only are they dear friends, and how many know you need some dear friends in life that are ride or die, that, 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 that are with you, that got your back, that are people who love God and people full of integrity. And the older that I get, the more that I'm so thankful for people of longevity and long friendships and people with integrity that have, I, I really, I mean, it's near and dear to me. But, but the thing that struck me about them is how unique they are that they not only pastor you all, but they're pastors of pastors. And the influence that they have around the nation and the world as they train other pastors, and not only Pastor Judd, but Pastor Lori with leading and loving it, and all the women that are being impacted uh, in ministry and pastors' wives because of their incredible leadership. And I just started to think about the ripple effect of Central, not only here in the Vegas Valley, but around the world. I really don't think we'll know the huge impact that you all are having and your pastors are having until we get to heaven and hear the countless stories of lives that were changed because of Central. I really mean that. Come on, can we thank God for Central? Can we thank God for Pastor Judd and Pastor Lori? So amazing, so amazing. And it's a big year for the Cooper family. Uh, this year, my wife and I, we celebrated 20 years of starting our church. We started our church 20 years ago on Mother's Day. So we just celebrated 20 years of our church. And then this year, my wife and I, we will be married 25 years this year. So it's a big year, 25 years of marriage. And then our oldest son just graduated from high school, and it just happened this past Thursday. Matter of fact, here's a picture of my family at the, my son's graduation. He just graduated from high school. We're super excited for Kel, and there's a great recent picture of the Cooper family, and I'm hoping my grocery bill will drop some as I send them off to college. T today, here's what I want to do as I just have the opportunity to partner with Pastor Judd and be able to just speak life into this amazing church today. I, I want to talk to you for a few moments about why has God abandoned me? And the question that I want us to think about today is why would a loving God allow so many bad things to happen? Why would a loving God allow the shootings in Laguna Woods, California? Why the shooting in Buffalo, New York? 
why the shooting we just saw take place at the school there in Texas. Why would a loving God allow so many bad things to happen? And I want to explore this subject today and help us all grow deeper in our faith and in our relationship with Jesus. And the first thing that I want us to wrap our hearts and minds around is simply this, even Jesus experienced bad things. I think that's so important for us to understand. Jesus experienced bad things. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 45 and verse 46. It says when, this is when Jesus was hanging on the cross and dying. It says from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and the Greek word there for cried out means to scream. Literally, Jesus screamed at the top of his lungs, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God. My God, why have you forsaken me? And that word forsaken means to be deserted, rejected, let go, abandoned. Jesus was on the cross and he had deep feelings of being abandoned and rejected. On his worst day ever on earth, Jesus was rejected by everyone. One of his own disciples, Judas, rejected and abandoned Jesus and actually betrayed Jesus on his last day. The crowd left Jesus. The rest of his disciples left Jesus. And then they took him and they spit on him. They humiliated him. They put a spear in his side, a crown of thorns on, on his head as he was hung on an old rugged cross and he was beaten, whipped, flogged. It was a horrible day and as he was on the cross, he was carrying your sin. He was carrying my sin because he was carrying the sin of the world. His heavenly father turned his back on Jesus and he abandoned Jesus. It is a horrible feeling when you and I are abandoned by others. And I realize that many of you know this firsthand. Maybe a spouse left you and ripped out your heart. Maybe when you were a kid or a teenager, one of your parents or maybe both parents walked out the door and walked out of your life. Maybe you've been rejected by a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a close friend and the pain of it. Maybe it was a boss or a co-worker left you high and dry and it hurts deeply. But I think it's even more worse and even more traumatizing when you feel abandoned by God. God, where are you? 
God, why is this happening to me? God, why is this happening in our world? Why the murder? Why the hatred? God, why do I feel like you're not with me? I'm going through trouble. I'm going through trials and I don't see you at work. I don't feel you at all in my life. God, do you even care? Are you even with me? And this is how some of you are feeling today. And I can relate. I remember when I was growing up in Wewoka, Oklahoma, and my mom told me and my older brother, Scotty, my younger sister, Herlana, she was going to leave my dad. He had no idea, and he left for work. And we loaded down my mom's car with as many clothes as we could get in the car. My older brother was going to go with my mom. My younger sister went with my mom and they were moving from Oklahoma to Rochester, New York, where my mom had a sister living and she was going to go move in with her sister. And we loaded the car down and I hugged my mama, I hugged my brother, I hugged my sister and they headed off to Rochester, New York and Later that evening, my dad came home and I was there to tell him, hey, dad, mom and Scott and Herlana have, have left and they're moving to Rochester, New York. It was the fall and Christmas was right around the corner. And I'll never forget the first Christmas without my mom, my brother and sister. I woke up early that Christmas morning holding my pillow, tears streaming down my face. Why has this happened? I even wondered, did I cause my family to break up? Why is this happening? And I was hurting. I felt rejected. I felt abandoned. Why would God allow this? God, are you even there? And it was the only time in my life where I thought, is life really worth living? I feel all alone. And whenever you and I feel abandoned, when we feel rejected, it can be hard to bounce back from those feelings and from those emotions. And I've been preaching the Bible for almost 30 years now. And I've seen people who have these feelings of, of abandonment and feel like God's even rejected them. And, and, and oftentimes when we have these feelings, we as human beings, our natural tendency is to reject those who reject us to abandon those who abandon us. And I've seen people just abandon God. They get mad at God. They get angry at God. They're, they're frustrated at God. They curse God. They quit on God. They quit coming to church. They quit praying. They quit reading their Bible. They quit serving. They quit giving. They quit pressing into God and worshiping God. And what I want to teach us today is how do we respond in a correct way when we feel abandoned by God? How do we respond when we feel rejected even by God? And I want to help us today because the wrong responses never play out well for us in our life. And so I want to look at three right responses when you feel abandoned by God. For all of my note takers, be sure to get a pen, some paper, or get your phone out and take some notes. And for all of you that don't take notes, be sure to get a pen and paper in your phone and take some notes today. I really believe I'm going to share some things that's going to help you in your faith. 
Three right responses. The first right response is remind yourself God loves you and is with you. If you're a Christ follower, even on your worst day, God is with you. God has not left you. No matter how bad it is, God is with you. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never. Come on, at all of the locations. Everybody shout, never. That was a weak never. Come on, everybody shout never. God says, never will I forsake you. Never, ever, 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 ever will God forsake you. And because God is with you, you're not alone. You are not alone. I love what Jesus says in Matthew 28 and verse 20. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. No matter how far God may feel from you right now, if you are a Christ follower, I can guarantee you this, God is with you. I know you may feel isolated, but God is with you. You may feel abandoned, but God is with you. You may feel lonely, but God is with you. It may be a hard season right now, but God is with you. You might be confused right now, but God is with you. You might be discombobulated, but God is with you. Your heart might be broken in a million pieces, but God is with you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Because God is with you, take your hard questions to God. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 and 16 says, This high priest, referring to Jesus of ours, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly. Come on, shout the word boldly. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Go to God's throne boldly. Go to God with bold prayers and bold concerns and bold questions. It's so important that you understand God is not intimidated by your bold questions. God is not scared of your bold concerns and your bold prayers. Go to God with your bold questions. Take your hard questions to God. God, why did this happen? Why did they die? Why the murder? Why the craziness? God, why did they leave me? Why didn't I get accepted into the college? Why the divorce? Why do I suffer with these constant migraine headaches? Why are there starving children in the world? Take your hard questions to God. Why the wars? The human trafficking? Why all the hatred? Why the abuse, God? Why the pain? God, why didn't you intervene? You're God. You're all 
powerful. Why didn't you stop that from happening? You can take your bold questions to God. The scripture says when you and I go boldly to God's throne, it says you and I will receive mercy, grace, and help when we need it most. So take your bold questions to God. There have been many times I've taken bold questions to God. God, why did my mom die in her 50s? I was a mama's boy. Missed my mama. Just celebrated Mother's Day a couple of weeks ago. God, why did my older brother die in his 40s, Scotty? We shared a room together growing up. Why, God? God, why did my 16-year-old son who enjoys track, why did he have to have hip surgery and miss the entire track season? He's a good kid. Why did he have to miss summer school and miss track? Why the hip surgery? Why, God? God, why do I struggle with neck pain? God, why? Why don't you just heal me? Why, God? I, I take my why questions to God, and sometimes God answers me. Sometimes he gives me clarity. Sometimes he gives me insight on what I'm going through. But many times what God will do is I take my bold questions to God. God gives me mercy. God gives me grace. God gives me the strength to make it another day. God gives me peace. My mind Mama died, but he gave me the strength to keep going on. My brother died, but he gave me the strength to keep going on. My son had hip surgery. I don't understand why his hip grew that way. But God gave me the strength and the peace to make it another day, to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And if you'll take your hard questions to God, he may not give you the answer that you want, but he'll give you his peace. He'll give you his grace. He'll give you his mercy. He'll give you his strength. Take your hard questions to God. So important. Because God is with you, I want you to see a third thing. This season is a part of your story, not the entire story. Jesus was abandoned on the cross, but that was just a part of his story. It was not the entire story. Many of you know the rest of the story. He died on the cross a horrific death. But three days later, he got out of that grave and he's alive and well today with all power in his hands. Come on, Central. That's worth celebrating. That's worth giving God praise that our Savior is alive. There was purpose in Jesus' pain. It was a part of his story, not the entire story. In 1 Corinthians, it describes this so well, how we just know a part of the story, not the entire story. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. So right now on this earth, we just see dimly. It says, now I know in part, 
Then in heaven I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So right now as we're living on this earth, we just know in part. We can't see the whole story that God is writing with our life. We can't see the whole story that God is writing with this situation. But understand that what you're going through is a chapter in your book. It's not the whole book. All you see right now is the chapter that you're living in, but you have to understand it's just a chapter of your life. It's not the entire book. It's just a season of your life. And if you're not, if you're not careful, you will let a chapter define the rest of your life. And I've just come here to tell you, Central, don't let the chapter that you're going through define the rest of your life. It's not the whole book. It's not the whole story. Keep Trusting God and watch how he'll work all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That was just point number one. Just look at your neighbor and say, it gets better from this. Go, It gets better. Oh, yeah, it gets better. Yeah, just tell them. Number two, number two, number two. Jot this down, Central. Turn why God into what God? Turn why God into what God? Whenever you're facing a difficult chapter in your life and it feels like God has abandoned you, it feels like God has rejected you, turn your why questions into what questions. Jot this down. Ask God, what do you want to teach me? The Bible says something so interesting about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Jesus learned obedience from the pain on the cross. And he screamed, why, God, have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God is not afraid of our why God questions, but yet I want you to understand that Jesus stayed on the cross because of the what. Jesus knew the what was to save humanity from our sins. The what is so important. If you don't end up turning why God into what God, you can slip into beginning to question God's character, beginning to question God's love, to begin to question God's goodness and his faithfulness. And when you're going through a horrible season in life, shift why God into what God. And whenever you begin to say, God, what, you begin to lean into God. God, what are you trying to teach me through this? God, what are you trying to show me? What, what God, what God? There's a second what God, and that is ask God, what do you want to do in me? In me, a, a great example is the apostle Paul. The scripture describes that he had what is known as this thorn in the flesh. I don't know what the thorn was a lot of historians, people writing commentaries, tried to guess on what the thorn was. I don't know what it was, but he asked God three times. He asked the question, God, would you remove the thorn in my flesh? And God said, no. And Paul could have easily felt abandoned by God. He could have felt rejected by God. But I want you to notice 
what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. It says, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Paul asked God three times, why? Why, God? Remove the flesh. Why won't you remove it? Lord, remove this flesh, this thorn out my flesh. But I want you to notice he didn't ask God 200 times. Three times. And he said, God, I start to understand. I'm not going to keep asking why. I'm going to start asking what. And Paul said, here's the what. God left the thorn in my flesh to do something in me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And what you have to learn to do during painful seasons is to learn to steward pain well and to say, God, what are you trying to do in me? Are you trying to deal with my pride? Are you trying to deal with my lust? Are you trying to deal with my lying? Are you trying to deal with my greed? Are you trying to deal with my blind spots? Are you trying to deal with my gossip? Are you trying to deal with my, my evil thoughts, my anger issues that I'm having? God, what are you trying to do in me? I don't want to miss what you're trying to do in me. And so I'm going to turn why God and to what God because I know you're trying to do something in me steward pain well there's a third why God question and that is this a what God question and that is ask God what do you want to do through me through me what God did through Jesus on his worst day changed the course of human history forever. There was purpose in the pain. On his worst day ever, Jesus paid the sin debt for you and me. And scripture says in Hebrews 12 verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the pain of the cross because he was focused on the what? Come on, everybody shout, the what? Oh, that was a weak shout. Shout, the what? The what is so important. He was focused on the what God wanted to do through him. He was focused on the joy that was set before him, seeing humanity reconciled to God. Think about this. What God did through the Apostle Paul and that thorn in his flesh to keep him humble, what he did through him is so powerful. He wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament. He preached the gospel to so many, saw people saved and healed and set free. What he did through him was so powerful. He mentored powerful leaders like young Timothy, who was a phenomenal leader in the church. What God did through Paul was amazing. Ask God, what do you want to do through me? God uses our greatest pain as a launching pad for our greatest calling. Your greatest ministry oftentimes come, comes out of your greatest misery. God, what do you want to do through me? I think about my life being sexually abused at the age of 13 by a lady for several months. I think about my parents divorcing. I think about the bitterness 
I think about the anger. I think about the pain I went through in my teenage years. And although God didn't cause me to get sexually abused, he didn't cause my parents to get divorced. He used that and in a football locker room at a fellowship of Christian athletes meeting, I gave my life to Jesus. And today, Central, I can tell you, I have such a burden from hurting for hurting people. I have such compassion for broken people because I used to be broken, abused, battered, confused, and bitter. And God took my season of misery and he's turned it into my greatest ministry. And I today minister to those who are hurting and broken and lonely and confused right now. Somebody's heart's being touched. You're, you're, you're being ministered to right now because of my pain and, and my story and how God is using it for his glory. Whenever you're going through your greatest season of pain, turn what God into, it turn why God into what God, what do you want to do through me? The third right response is this. The third right response, point three. When you can't trace God's hand, trust God's heart. Trust God's heart. When you're going through tough days, it's so important to remember that the God you serve is not powerless. The God you serve is the same God who walked on the water. The Jesus that you serve is the same Jesus who called a dead man named Lazarus out the grave. The Jesus you serve took a few fish and loaves of bread and he fed 5,000 plus people. The same Jesus that you serve is the Jesus that had the power to call angels to get him off the cross. But he didn't use his power. He stayed on the cross and trusted his heavenly father's plan. And right after Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His next words were Luke 23, verse 46. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Why have you forsaken me? but I still trust you. And Father, I commit my spirit to you. Why have you forsaken me? I still trust you. And Father, I commit my spirit into your hands. On Jesus' worst day ever, he did not turn down his trust in his heavenly Father. He turned up his trust in his heavenly Father. Father, I commit my spirit into your hands. I don't like this, but I trust you. It's not easy, but I trust you. They're hurting me, but I trust you. It's painful, but I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And when people feel abandoned by God, when we feel rejected by God, people oftentimes turn down their trust in God. But Central, I want to encourage you, don't turn down your trust in God during hard seasons. Turn 
up your trust in God. Don't let bad days drive you away from God. Say, no, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust in the promises of God. I turn up my trust in your promises on bad days. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. We turn up our trust by saying amen to God's promises. Amen simply means so be it. It's easy to say amen when everything's going great. But we turn up our trust in God on bad days when we say amen, God. Amen to all of your promises. I trust your promises. Promises like Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Amen, God. You are with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Amen, God. You're taking all the bad and you're turning it for my good. Promises like Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Amen, God. You're going to do more than I can think or even ask promises like 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10 and after you have suffered for a little while the, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore you strengthen you secure you and establish you amen God you're using my bad days to restore me strengthen me and establish me promises like Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 and my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches of, gl of his glory in Christ Jesus amen God even when gas prices are high even when inflation is rising even when house prices are high amen God you will meet my needs Promises like Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. Amen, God. Your character will not change. On bad days, you're still God, and you're still faithful, and you're still good, and your promises are still true. Amen, God. I trust you when I can't trace you. I've got pain in my heart, but I trust you. They hurt me, but I trust you. They walked out on me, but I trust you. I don't understand what's going on in the world, but I trust you. 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 God, I trust you. I trust you. God, I trust you. I trust your promises. I trust your word. I trust you. Heavenly Father, today I thank you for touching the central family. I know there's pain and there's hurt all around this room today. I know there's confusion. I know people are wounded. And Father, I pray that you would draw near. I pray that you would comfort as tears are streaming down faces because of pain and hurt. People have even questioned you and your goodness. 
I thank you, God, as we take our bold questions to you, that you're touching people and you're helping people and you're strengthening people. You're giving people peace today. Oh, God, touch, touch. We trust you. I don't understand what's going on, God. But, God, I thank you that we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, I pray as eyes are closed and heads are just bowed in God's presence. You're here today and you're not living for the Lord. You're here today and life's been hard and life's beat you up and people have wounded you and hurt you and, and you've even been mad at God. And, and today I want you to know God's not mad at you. Oh, no, pastor, I think God's mad at me. No, 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 God's not mad at you. God loves you. The scripture says, for God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. God loves you, and he wants to forgive you of all of your sins today. He wants to make you right with God. He wants a relationship with you. Maybe you're here today, and something happened in life, and you got mad at God. You, you've been running from God. You've, you're upset at God, or... Maybe you got mad because a person in a church hurt you and you kind of blame God. And you used to live for God, but you're not now. And today's your moment to rededicate your life to the Lord and say, God, I'm coming back home and I'm trusting you with my life. If that's you, as I count to three, you want to give your life to Jesus or you want to rededicate your life to God. You want to experience his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness today. He's a God of second chances, third chances, 20th chances, 100th chances, 1,000th chances. He wants to forgive you today. As I count to three, just lift your hand high. One, two, three. Thank you so much. So awesome. So awesome. So awesome. So awesome. Hands are going up all around the building. So awesome. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me right now. Just pray this prayer with me. God's going to wash away your sins. Pray with me now. Heavenly Father, today I turn my life over to Jesus. And I confessed today that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross and he rose again. And I trust Jesus with my life, my heart, my future. I say yes to Jesus. And I will follow Jesus the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, Central. Put your hands together for Jesus.